This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Well, a brand new year is here. Happy New Year to you folks and welcome back. You made it through another one and to another one. It's the Clay Young Show here on Podcast225.com. So glad to be with you. The 102nd edition of our show. Man, moving right along. What a year last year was, right? You know, since New Year's Day, I have not talked a lot about 2016. Thought a little bit about it. Mostly at the end of a year, you think about the lessons you learned going into the new year. And challenges you had and what they taught you. I think, you know, as, a, as you get older and, and even when you're younger and you're thinking about moving in a direction, you definitely think more about your challenges and your losses than you do your successes. I mean, you know, success is kind of great and it's wonderful, but loss teaches you something and it teaches you how to have fewer of them. And last year was chock full of losses but fewer losses in the Baton Rouge area than you might think. Our guest on today's edition of The Clay Young Show is East Baton Rouge District Attorney Hiller Moore. Now, if I were to ask you, what do you think about 2016 in terms of violence, specifically in Baton Rouge? Take a second. I'm pretty sure most of you would probably go, I can't remember a year that was more violent. Well, the actual numbers for last year might really surprise you. In fact, I think they're really going to surprise you. If you haven't seen the statistics that were released last week, 2016 was actually one of the most nonviolent years in terms of total numbers that we've seen in a little while. And we will dive into the numbers with the district attorney Uh, in our conversation that's coming up in just a bit. So we look forward to that. You know, this year, there are several conversations that I'd like to have. Some of the shows that we have on the horizon for you in the first half of this year will deal with the technology that you have in your office and in your home and how easy it is for someone to hack into your iPhone or hack into your computer or your other cell phone if you're not an Apple user. The fact that so many people put cameras in their homes nowadays is amazing to me, especially when those cameras are on a server that can be accessed by someone outside of a house. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go inside the minds of criminals on this show with a very special guest, and I'll keep that under my hat and you know, just for the time being. We'll talk a little bit more about relationships, all right, and Talk about kind of the way millennials think as well. And we're going to talk about the good life as well. David Savona, who is the executive editor of Cigar Aficionado magazine, is going to be our guest next week. We're actually going to talk with him this week as well, but he had something pop up and we needed to push it back seven days. So he'll be our guest on show number 103 uh, coming up. Smoke them if you got them. The fourth annual is happening in May. May 21st, as a matter of fact, May 21st at Ben 77 Bistro here in Baton Rouge. Put that on your calendar now to make certain that your face is in that place for that event. We're looking forward to it this year. We'll be talking more about that in the weeks ahead. But uh, a lot of great information. Last year, the highest 
rated show, the highest number of listens, went to the episode with mayor-elect at the time, Sharon Weston Broom. So many people in the area were interested in what she had to say. It was unbelievable, the numbers. And we're still seeing people accessing and listening to that show. We're going to get her in here again in a few weeks to kind of talk with her about her agenda at length now that she has officially taken the reins of the office of mayor president. And I'll get back with you on that. If you're not a subscriber to the show and you are an Apple user, you need to hit that subscribe button. If you aren't an Apple user, you can get to the show every week, put it in your calendar so it pops up and reminds you to access The Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com. You can do the same for The Waiting Room Podcast, which is unbelievable. I mean, these ladies are getting better and better every week. They talked about the holidays and chasing away the holiday blues just after the end of the year. And you certainly want to listen to the show that talks about mental health that starts off this week, actually, in January, this week, first week of January of 2017. So it's the Waiting Room Podcast as well at podcast225.com. And if you are interested in hosting a podcast, if you think your company or organization would like to connect with customers or followers or people in your group via podcast, send me an email. We're adding new shows this year. And as the promo says, yours can be one of them. The number is 225-214-1550. Call us here at Clay Young Enterprises and we'll set you up, bring you into the studio and kind of talk about what, what it would take to have your own podcast. Or you can email me, clay at podcast225.com, clay at podcast 225 Dot com. Of course, we're on Facebook and at twi- on Twitter at Clay Young BR, at Clay Young BR on Twitter. All right, with that, we'll take a quick break and come back and talk about crime in Baton Rouge in 2016 with the district attorney. We will also talk about the summer that none of us, I think, will ever forget and the Department of Justice's decision. Are we ready for it? The district attorney will talk about that and more next here on The Clay Young Show. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. You know, Brian, if you pay attention to the news, you hear a lot of conversation about what's going to happen with Social Security, and it's got people concerned, but you've got some answers for them, right? It's a very simple process, but I think people get excited about it. They get nervous about it. They don't know all the ins and outs of Social Security. Mm-hmm. You know, when I start off a program in class, I ask, who's the expert on Social Security in the room tonight? And the yeah. answer is nobody's the right, expert. Right, right, uh, You know, we are the expert on Social Security. They sit down with you, talk about the ins and outs, when you should start taking Social Security. How about your wife? When should she take her right, Social Security? Right. A lot of details to it. Let's do the analysis. It takes about 30 minutes. We'll have a plan. We'll put together an income plan on top of that. 
do some uh, Morningstar reports on your mutual funds as well. Mm-hmm. But give us a call. Let's get started. It's the new year, 2017. Sometimes people are intimidated about something like this because they think they're not going to understand it. That's not the case here. Absolutely not. You know, we're not going to talk over your head. We'll talk right to you. Let's get started. Learn more at brianlowfinancial.com. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. He is the district attorney for East Baton Rouge Parish, and he's a friend of the program. He's been here before, District Attorney Hiller Moore. What's going on, sir? Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year. Glad glad to be here and glad to talk a little bit about some good news from last year. (laughs) Well, let's jump right in. Statistically, last year was one of the lowest numbers in terms of murders that Baton Rouge has seen in some time. In fact, it looks like it is the lowest that we've had in almost 10 years. The, the, the most recent low number was 2014 at, um, at 63, I Three. believe it was. And last year, only 61 murders in the parish. To what do you attribute this lower number? Um. You know, I think a, a lot of things, but I think it's just really continued hard work by all of the different agencies that come together, our faith-based community and community leaders like you. As you know, we started that BRAVE program at the end of 2012 and got it in uh, in place in earnest in 2013. And from 2012, we had 84 homicides, and in 2013, they went down to 66. And that's, uh, I think, due to a large part of everyone working together and focusing on who is it that's killing each other and who's being killed? And looking at that from a, a data approach, it's simply numbers turns into be people and uh, targeting your resources and your law enforcement toward those folks and those places as opposed to just you having really no plan to stop homicide. And I think that's really been significant. The, the people have helped. The churches have helped. Community leaders like yourself have helped. Uh, also, I think this year the addition of the crime strategy unit, the intelligence-driven prosecution unit, has also more narrowly identified uh, the folks that we deal with. So, uh, it you know overall it was a good year. And Clay, I think as you know, uh, this number has been going down since January. That's, so that's right. some folks say you know it's either luck or it was the flood. But if you take a look at the numbers, we began really. Uh, back really in November of 2015, it started to go down. That's right. And at some point, Clay, in, in July, we were averaging maybe three homicides a month, which was crazy for Baton Rouge. Right. And normally around five. And then unfortunately, July came. Yeah, and well, as you know, no, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, when most people think, well, let me back up a second. For most people, if you were to ask them, what do you think about 2016 as it relates to violence? Without knowing the numbers, they would assume, oh, it was the most violent year I've ever seen in Baton Rouge. And that perception would be greatly wrong because you were 16 uh, below year before last. And as we said, 2014 was 63 and you were two below that. What do you think about the fact that people perceived last year to have been so violent, but it wasn't? Well, I mean, because uh, some things that take the take the headlines of the news, and I think that really is... What happens in uh, homicides get a lot of press, and people feel that there's a lot of bad things going on here, and surely we have our share. I also think that the newspaper, you know, being having a lot of uh, New Orleans uh, homicides uh, that are captured in there, that also adds to people really not looking at the byline as to maybe where it's from. They just see the headlines of a homicide, and 
it's uh, also not just New Orleans, but some surrounding parishes. So if you just pick up the paper and look at the headlines, you may think that all of those are Baton Rouge when they're not. So I think that's um, that really attributes a lot to yeah. uh, what's going on. You know, November was an outlier because last year in November, there were 14 murders in the parish and the highest number uh, to the closest high number to that was eight back in 2008. I mean, it, it this almost doubled that number. But if that number was in line with a trend of, I guess, on average about five, we'd probably have, again, you know, five less murders. We, we would have been below 60 for the year. Why do you think November was such an active month? Uh, we, you know, we were kind of scratching our head at what was going on and just kind of unbelie- not believing that, uh, that that amount of uh, shootings were going on. It, it seemed to me, and we're still studying, it seemed to me a lot of folks at that point were uh, retaliating for other events that had occurred during the year or years before. And I guess the opportunity for them, those folks uh, presented itself, and that's when they displayed their, that behavior. It's just kind of, It was really unusual. I also believe we had the one or two domestic violence cases, which yeah, uh, yeah. you and I discussed earlier. Yeah. You know, come around that time of year, and unfortunately, as you see, our first of this year uh, was a domestic violence uh, killing. So that I mean, that month is just really. If you look at the numbers all across from 2008 when we started, mm-hmm. the highest I've ever seen is 13, and that was in the September June kind of months. Yeah, and so November just really has us baffled. That's right. It's because you're right. I'm looking at the the numbers here. 13. And 13 and, and June and July of 2009, and then there was there were 13 and September of 2011. And, you know, during the summer is when people expect a spike in those numbers, right? That's, that's right. And that's, you know, when kids are out of school, uh, a lot of folks are, don't have anything to do. Uh, and uh, that's when we see uh, th- those numbers. You, you can look at that, the heart of that uh, calendar that you're looking at. You'll see that's when the numbers rise. But look at this year, obviously, with the flood, we had some sure. changes there. And September, September there, were, this year. There, there were no murders in the month of September, uh, which which is, I mean, there's nothing in just, the closest to that, I think, is one, a couple of months in here, maybe in, three or four in months. In February of 2015, That's which right. it, it went on for 33 days, I believe. Right. But if you look at September this year and look at August with three and October with four, I mean, I think we went through a stretch of 40 days with no one being killed. Now, I also wanted to say, Clay, that I think law enforcement and the, and the guys and girls on the street that yeah. are in their cars with the city and the sheriff, yeah. state police, that answering these calls 24 hours a day, uh, I mean, they, they work their tails off. Yep. And they don't get a lot of the credit. And I think no. that uh, they have to get some credit. And our goal for next year is to continue to develop more uh, better data and to find a way to get that data to them quickly, timely in accurate data so they know where to go at a certain day or time or place location person and i think i think that's the only way going to really get these numbers down further because it's going to get harder and harder with a city our size and then with the parish you know in the sheriff's office that have the parish the parish expands the city is right. pretty much locked in right so you can look for the parish to maybe experience some other problems down the road, and hopefully we can address that right now. Um, and Clay, the other uh, outlier, I think, was July. If you look at yeah. July, typically that's a very big month. Yeah, It was this year for us, but 
uh, three of those that are captured in that aid, unfortunately, were the, the three officers who were assassinated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about July, and then, you know, th- there was that. When you look back at July, obviously, when people think about 2016, they're going to think about July and August. 2016, because of the incident with Alton Sterling, and then the incident with the police officers, and then and the sheriff's deputy, and then, of course, the flood in August, which was a game changer on an economic uh, front for Baton Rouge. Obviously, you can't get into the inside details of this. It's being adjudicated by the feds right now. It's going through that process. But as a district attorney here, watching that and then the aftermath of it, what's your reflection now, six months after the fact? Well, when the when the Sterling shooting went down, uh, I think everyone was kind of on pins and needles, either from the community and then law enforcement, like, you know, hey, what's the next step? Who's uh, I'm afraid to take the call or as a person out there, maybe I'm afraid to do something. So maybe both were standing down and, uh, you know, just kind of assessing the situation. But surely right after the Sterling shooting, right within that neighborhood, we had several other shootings. Uh, fortunately, those folks survived. I believe the, I remember three or four shootings just within a few days. Maybe one was killed. But, I mean, the, the shootings continued. Fortunately, the the homicides did not. I, it's really one that uh, still kind of really not fully understood. So uh, it's uh, it's one that people will be looking at for some time. You know, I, there's been such debate about it. I remembered uh, doing an interview with, I think, Clarence Bugs at the time. He called me. I was in New Orleans, and he wanted me to do come on his show to talk about it. And I just remembered saying that, the, the, the media has to be a little emotionless in the presentation of this because we were sitting on a powder keg. And this was before July yep. 17th when, when those officers were, were, were shot. And, and obviously, you know, we lost uh, three of them. And I just said, I, I, I know that there is an urge to, to jump on this and, and to give this intense presentation. But, man, you just, you just have to have the feeling that something was coming because of the energy, the, the feeling in the air? Or was that just me? Yeah. No, same feeling. Uh, you know, I felt bad for law enforcement officers that, I'm, you know, people were being executed around the country. Yeah. And if you had a son or a daughter that was a law enforcement agent my, when they left the door, you know, I'm not sure. It, it's hard, hard to take. Uh, so uh, it was one where everyone was on pins and needles, kind of still, we still are. And we'll still continue to be for some time. But hopefully now, Clay, we can use this as a platform to move forward for everyone to become better. Uh, look at where we are. Look at where we're going. And just make Baton Rouge a better place because this is the unique opportunity to do it now. Don't know that we're going to ever be in this same position again. And so um, it's going to take a lot of uh, compromise and sure. a lot of people working together. You know, one of the things that I don't think people don't know as much about what you're doing is work in the inner city. I mean, the work with Brave typically is target, you know, targeting with information young black men who make up the bulk of these negative statistics. Unfortunately, it is what it is. And bringing them in and talking with them, you know, that I think that is a dilemma that Baton Rouge as a whole has to recognize is there. And if people aren't actively doing something about it, it's going to swallow us up. Don't you think? Yeah, no question. You know, the, the, the stories and the homicides to get the news are the Alton Sterling's and the officers that are killed, but those same people who are out, you know, for those types of cases there, where I want to know where they are when all these others occurred. Where's the, 
where's the outcry that hey well, we have young black men killing by young black men it, yeah. it is an issue yeah and look we have other issues as well so it's not just this but i would if we had more public and community outcry about homicides if we had a 18 wheeler that rode around the city with coffins on it every month as to how many people are yeah. killed and you stack them up or put it in front of city hall or put it somewhere that it's an eyesore it's embarrassed that you would maybe want to go out okay let's do something about it right if you see something in your community say something otherwise would it's just not going to get done it, it starts at the community level at the family level with parents with family with neighbors uh this is not a police fault it's a it's something that gets put on them and it's uh it's uh, an entire community issue i do think i think it's lazy to only put this and this is me speaking for me to only put this on law enforcement i think we have you know a breakdown in the family structure in our country that contributes to a lot of this and it it's not to say that some kid in a single parent household can't grow up get an education or get a job and and be a law-abiding citizen i think the majority of these kids do but we can't look away from the reality of what's happening in society and and, yeah. and to simply say it's all on cops i mean come on we can do better than that yes absolutely and um you know there are many uh single family households where kids just do phenomenal absolutely and uh and clay at the brave event uh, you know you see these kids you look in their eyes yep and then if you went back and you looked at all of these kids history for the vast majority you're going to see where many different things have failed them whether it's their family yep their neighborhood yep uh, services that we don't have to provide to them mm-hmm. it's there's we're broken down somewhere and you can understand why maybe they are where they are both as a victim and as a defendant because our victims are oftentimes our defendants you're right and so we know for the most part, who these victims and trigger pullers are. And that's how we try to intervene and have them take services. But obviously, we have to do a better job in identifying them and providing services. Transportation is a huge issue for these kids. To get them to services, uh, they really have nowhere to to do it. Uh, And that's a difficult uh, issue. And, you know, one other thing I wanted to say, uh, Clay, is that a lot of folks will say, well, this year and the other years, you're just lucky. Well, you know, I'll take it if that's what it is, but we've been lucky then for four years since we started doing things differently. And I think we also have to acknowledge that EMS does a fabulous job of responding to these scenes uh-huh, uh-huh. and giving critical care, doctors at the hospitals. All of that also filters in and features into these homicides. Also, the, the so-called Ferguson effect that you've seen and you and I have talked about Yep. I don't think that we're seeing, I think it's real. I don't think we're seeing that in Baton Rouge. I think the officers are responding quickly. Uh, when you look at, I mean, look at Chicago, 785 homicides, 4,700 people. Unbelievable. 200 more than last year. Uh, go to Baltimore, Philly, go to L.A. right now. And go. those cities have a 20% clearance rate. And Baton Rouge having all the issues that we have, despite that, having really good numbers, having... Uh, clearance rates that are up to the standards of everyone else around the country um, for bad for a bad year we uh, I think we did well and I'd really like to see the the programs and the people that the guys and girls on the street and the detectives get more credit for this past four years but particularly this year that really gets more credit nationwide from those people that study this than, than we do maybe locally I'd really like to see uh, the just law enforcement community honored for that. It's just been hard work. It's yeah. 24 hours a day, every yeah. day. 
I agree with you 100%. And, and again, it's just, it's, it's lazy. And, you know, I don't know how well it's going to be played in the media that last year, in spite of everything, was such a low year. I mean, if, you know, just, I was just looking at the numbers, Hiller. When you look at the beginning of the year last year and the beginning of the year in 2015, 2016 was actually two murders higher than 2015. The second half of the year, after everything that had gone on, you know, Baton Rouge was down about seven murders from the year before. And you think about that, again, if you ask people, what do you think about last year in terms of crime? Most people would say, oh, it was the worst it's ever been here. It's never been worse than last year. And that's just simply not true. Uh, You know, that's correct. 2012 was the worst year we've had in some time with what, 84 murders? And so yes. it's interesting, but I, you know, as I, I want to, I want to wrap up on, or at least move to something else. You talked about November, and it was such, uh, you know, it was a, it was a bad month last year, and we had a couple of domestic violence incidents that took place, and one of which was the murder of a young woman on Essen Lane by just a guy who was a coward. Uh, just you know, there's no other way to say it. But the aftermath of that has shown the resilience of April Peck's sister who has been phenomenal. Uh, she's raising her sons and her sister's sons, and y'all have, I know, gotten to know them and, and you know, spent some time yeah. with them. She's just an example of how strong some people in our community are. Would you agree? Yeah. Un- unbelievable lady, Dan Alicia Peck, yeah. uh, who unfortunately I was uh, able to meet under bad circumstances yeah. when her sister was killed. Yep. Her sister left behind uh, two children, and yeah. they're very young children. And uh, their father was, uh, you know, was killed by the sheriff's office because he shot uh, right. and fired at the sheriff's deputies yep. right not far away. So these two young kids lost their mother, lost their father within three hours. Right. And then this sister, raising her own children, school teacher, right. uh, now has four children to raise. And, you know, fortunately, under really bad circumstances, I got to meet her, yeah. her children and Miss Peck's children. Uh, who was killed and just yeah. i mean great looking kids yes johnny jones with the basketball <laughs> I team saw reached that. Out, took him to a game my daughter i mean i just can't be any proud of her she saw what happened on the internet and reached out to me and said i have to do something for these kids and um hopefully with her work she uh, did a lot of christmas shopping and has really taken those children on as uh, as friends and uh, the emails and pictures back and forth over the holidays uh, have been phenomenal um it's just devastating. And then we had the other uh, homicide uh, of a young lady that was killed who had two daughters, I yeah. think 13 and 14. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she was raising her sister's children, 17 and 18, mm-hmm. who were, was killed in a domestic violence incident. So now you have that family who has four children mm-hmm. and the mother who's lost both of her daughters to domestic violence. And both of the killers of those ladies uh, killed themselves. So you have a family that's just devastated now for generations to come uh, with no mother, no father, and very nice, well-educated, well-spoken children. Uh, I went to the the funeral service for that lady, and it was phenomenal to hear these young ladies just talk the way that they were able to talk under these really dire circumstances. And we go through a lot of pain here and a lot of defendants and get a lot of uh, attention. Yeah. Uh, for imprisonment and family, but we we really don't know enough about victims and the years to come and the generations and holidays that these families are now going to endure without their closest of relatives. 
It's just uh, she she is an example of the quality of people in this town. And, you know, when I spoke with her, I guess a week or so after this happened, she had no bitterness in her voice. And, Not at all. And, and uh, just it's and this is why I say all the time that good people can come from anywhere. And painting people with a broad brush to me is just problematic. And, you know, the young man, what about the young man who almost lost his arm in, in, in an yep. effort to try to help uh, April, the, the young woman who was killed. How right. is he doing? Have you gotten a chance to speak with him? Uh, spoke, I've spoken with his mom. I visited him in the hospital right after it happened, and he was in good spirits. He wasn't bitter about anything. It turns out that that young man's dad was an EMS a person okay. who actually came and saved the young girl down in uh, Beauregard Town yeah. where the mother was killed and she was a yes, survivor. Yes, yes, yes. Kind of odd. And he had just, the dad had just retired, and then his young son, who's studying to be EMS uh, person, just uh, had this uh, this event happen to him. But spirits are really good. And so we have a lot of really good people in Baton Rouge. Just the bad things kind of get the forefront, as, as, well, as always. But. It's, it's a shame. And, and I think that people, you know, I don't consume as much news as I used to because of that purpose. I mean, I, I just think that, yeah, you know, bad things happen. You got to report on them. You can't just sugarcoat everything. Sure. But I just think there, you know, Vicki Zimmerman once said to me, who used to be the news director at uh, WAFB, she said, you know, the news doesn't have to be fair and balanced. It just needs to be the truth. And That's sometimes right. there are things that happen in this community that are the truth. April Peck, college graduate, school teacher, raising her boys, raising her sister's boys, no bitterness. She's an example of how love conquers all. And I think we ought to be holding her up to say, here's an example of the kind of people who live in our town. This young man Absolutely. could have run the other way, but instead, you know, he, he, he sacrificed himself to help this young woman who was black. He's white. And, you know, that ought to get more attention. Absolutely. And we have we have so many stories like that. And it's hard to tell, and it maybe doesn't catch everyone's attention, but I guarantee people would like to hear those types of stories, and they're real. Well, you know, you're doing great work here, and Brave has proven to have impact. And again, I know that it probably frustrates you because you don't, that kind of information doesn't get out as much as I'm sure you would like. But what's yeah. it been, six years? Oh, no, not six years. I was it been four years? Uh, Brave has been four years. You know, yeah. I'm looking at the national study that I just emailed to yeah. you that they're yeah. going to release from uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, in the past five years, we've had a 46% reduction in homicides. Uh, and then, you know, this last year, as you could see, 25 to 30 percent. And at the mid-year, we were around 50 percent below the year before, and then everything else happened. Wow. Well, listen, man, hopefully, we, we're, I know we'll talk more this year, and hopefully next year this time we're saying, man, how low can you go? We went lower. And uh, look, I'll ask you this, and, and I know that uh, you got to be careful with the answer, and I'll be careful with the question. Whenever the, the, the Department of Justice makes their decision, I'm sure you guys have made contingencies to be prepared for that. Yes? Yes. Okay. Well, yes, there's been a lot of uh, meetings amongst the law enforcement. There's been uh, now many meetings with us and uh, Mayor Broom. Yeah. And I think that she's going to really provide a lot of leadership and step in some gaps of uh, things. And we've met with those uh, community leaders out there that would uh, be critical you know, one way or the other. Everyone has a different viewpoint. So, uh, We'll let everyone know where we are, where we stand, how we're going to react, and that we expect that people will protest one way or the other, but do it within the bounds of the law. Uh, things are now more clear as to how people should act and how the law enforcement, what orders they will give or instructions they'll give. And uh, 
So hopefully no one will try to tear down our city because it's ours, not anyone else's from the outside. Right. And uh, that's what everyone has to stand firm on. And if someone would, what I'd like to see, if somebody reports something that is not true, that the group of us would come and say that's incorrect. Right. And cause there's so much misinformation that goes on, which generates more problems. And we have to really be mindful of that. The District Attorney of East Baton Rouge Parish, our own Hiller Moore. Hiller, thank you so much, my friend. Great, man. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Isn't it something to hear about these numbers and the way that last year went? Again, I said at the in the open of the show that most of you, hell, me included, probably would have assumed that last year was on the higher side in terms of numbers. Now, listen, any murder is one murder too many. But when you think about it, and just to put this in perspective, the numbers, let's go back to 2008. There were a total of 82 murders in 08, 88 in 09. It dropped to 80 in 2010. 2011, back up to 81. 2012, 84. The next year, it dropped by almost 20, went from 84 to 66. The next year, went down again to 63. And 2015, it went back up to 77, which is just interesting. And when you look at 2015, it was consistently across the summer. Okay, there were six in May, then up to 11 in June, 10 in July, and then 9 in August. I mean, you're talking about 30 murders over the course of June, July, and August. The next year, during the summer, it went down from 11 in June to 5 in June. From 8 in July down to, excuse me, from 10 in July in 2015 down to 8 in July of last year. And as we know, one of those is pending that doesn't show up in this number with Alton Sterling, and then obviously three of the eight were the three officers who were killed on July 17th of last year. In August of 2015, the number was nine. In August of 2016, it went down to three. Now, the second half of August was really held hostage by all of the floodwaters that sat across our city and region. And I think that probably contributed to the fact that there were zero murders in September. Zero. 
The last time we had a number close to that was two in March of last year and three in January. And you heard me tell the DA, the first half of last year actually had two more murders than the year before. 25 last year, 23 year before last. The second half of the year saw 43 murders. I mean, it nearly doubled in the second half of 2015. And 2016, it was 36, so only 11 more. So who knows what the year holds? You know, the older you get, you realize you just have to have hope and faith that things are going to go well and you work hard to try to ensure that. I always quote Abraham Lincoln, who says the best way to predict the future is to create it. (laughs) And that deals with things that you can control. When it comes to things like murders, all you can do is try to do the legwork with younger people to try to help them. And, you know, the DA does that. And I've witnessed it firsthand. But I think if we don't start catching these kids early, and, and help them to not be in toxic environments and some households are toxic and kids don't necessarily. And, 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 and you know, we're not talking about a, a household having to be like the Huxtables or the Cleavers, right? These TV fantasy style homes. I mean, in, in many cases, that's not realistic all the time. But kids can grow up in environments where In the majority of the cases, it's civil and they're encouraged and they're protected and they're disciplined in a way that holds them accountable. Some kids are in such destructive environments where they have so, such a low self-esteem and such a high level of insecurities that that just kind of breeds the kind of decision-making that gets them into trouble. And what's horrible is so many of these kids never have the kind of support, encouragement, and examples set for them when they're little and when they grow into their teens with all of these bad habits that have not been caught and dealt with and they do these things and you try to go in and correct them, they're resentful. And they don't feel like anybody cares because no one has. And the DA is involved and he's trying to help kids and he's, you know, I, look, I do my bit as well because I understand that these kids, many of them have no other option and they've never been presented with a different reality. And unless they're presented with a different reality, I mean, what, what are they going to do? Statistically speaking, children who grow up in toxic home environments are more likely to become adults who perpetuate that toxicity and make the kinds of decisions that land them into trouble and or violence. It doesn't mean, as we said with with the DA, that a kid in a single parent household can't grow up to be a superstar, an absolute rock star in business or in the community. Happens all the time. All the time. But we got to get our hands dirty a little bit. Because you can't, you can't keep moving away from it because it's going to continue to encroach upon areas. And at the rate that, you know, some are multiplying, it's, it, it's going to take more and more of us in the trenches. And, that's going to be, and that means black people and white people. Right? It means everybody. 
concerned about the amount of tax dollars being spent on entitlement programs. Let's do something to make certain kids grow up and have a skill set that prohibits them from needing an entitlement program. And that takes more action than talk. And again, we're not expecting everybody. You know, you can't have the attitude that it's, it's on you to save people. I think that's a dangerous road to go down. But I think having an interest in helping where you can is healthy and it's needed. <laughs> Sermon over, right? All right, next week, David Savona, the executive editor of Cigar Aficionado magazine, will be our guest we look forward to talking with him. They released their top 25, the 25 top cigars, according to them, for 2016. And we'll talk with him about that. We'll talk with him about Cuba, Cuba and what's happening there now that Fidel has kicked the bucket. And I'm sure he busted hell wide open. And so we'll talk with him about what's happening there in the aftermath of that. Raul is still there right now, so not much has changed. So David Savona will be our guest next week. We appreciate you guys listening Tell a friend about The Clay Young Show and podcast225.com. God bless to you guys. Have a great 2017. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.